Hey everybody, welcome to episode 13 of Dad College. My name is Cam and I am joined by the the wonderful, the prolific, the illustrious, the mustachioed David Hogue. <laughs> yes. What's up, man? Uh, you know, I'm ready to talk about being a dad, so doing this podcast thing. Indeed, we are here. We are at the podcast station. We are. <laughs> yes. This is three days in a row that we've seen each other. Which is very rare. I don't think we've ever seen each other for three days in a row <laughs> in the history of our friendship. Even like at a retreat or anything? Okay. Re- traveling aside. <laughs> yeah, tra- being away from. Oh, okay. Do you remember when me, you, and Travis went to the youth conference in Indianapolis with Penny? Yes. And we were driving. Was it was it me, you, and Penny, or was it me, you, Travis, and Penny? I think there was four of us. I know Penny was there. No, because me, you, and Travis all shared a room. I think. Anyways, the point of this is that we decided to see how close to empty yes, we could yes, get yes. in the car. And I would have gone a lot farther than we, we went did. really far. Yeah, we, we I would just I would have tried to go even farther. We fueled up in Kansas City. And we took off to Indy, which is a nine-hour drive. Was That's even where I'm going to con- contradict you again. Did we go to Indianapolis or was it Louisville? Oh. I felt like we were in Kentucky. Might have been. Oh, Louisville's farther, isn't it? I don't remember. <laughs> so so, no, when, you say, no, so no, when you no. say, do you remember? <laughs> no, it was Louisville. <laughs> Clearly neither one of Because we went it. to a place called the Tilted Kilt and didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Was it me, you, and Damon? No, Travis was there. Anyways, the whole point of the story is is that we drove a car, yes, really, really far without filling up, and Penny was in the back seat yelling at us and being very uncomfortable with the fact that we were willing to go to running out of gas and hiking to get more just to see how far we yes. could go. Yes, that's the one time in my life I've ever done that. Yeah. I do remember that, and it was fun. And I, I'm convinced we had, like, 50 more miles. Like, I, I think I was like, I'm pretty sure we have, like, two more gallons of gas in here. Yeah. Was it Louisville or Indy? I don't remember. Because I know Chicago, I stayed with my dad, and I had a dream that there was a bunch of chains dragging on the ground and making this really <laughs> weird noise, like heavy, thick, like industrial chains just, like, dragging on the concrete, like mm-hmm. that sort of noise. And I woke up, and the noise was still happening. And it was like... The Twilight Zone, because it was like three in the morning. I had woken up from this creepy dream, and the noise that was in my dream was actually in the hotel room. But you don't know what it was? It was my dad snoring. (laughs) But it took me about 30 seconds to kind of come to, you know when you wake up from a deep sleep, you don't know where you are, you don't know what time it is, you don't know really what like being alive is like for a few seconds. All of that happened while the terror of this noise being real was going on in my brain and then i leaned over and my dad was just like sawing logs like he was <laughs> a lumberjack so i know yeah it was either india or louisville oh god this is going on for long anyways i don't know why i brought that up maybe because we were talking about going on retreats and such sure. but that is well, a fond memory regardless of what city it was, was actually it was in. fun that was fun well and it was even <laughs> creating the anxiety for penny was mildly entertaining as well so yeah, I had a, I had a similar deal where I stayed in a hotel and there were pigeons outside my window, and in my dream it was like demons. That was the, the the noise of the pigeon. well, you're not wrong. <laughs> was was demons, and I kind of had the same deal like that you did of like I'm in this strange hotel room. I'm trying to orient myself, and as I'm waking up, I'm still hearing this noise, and it like you know like just totally freaked me out. And like I literally had to go look at the window and be like, oh. There's pigeons out there, and they're the ones that are making that noise. So, yeah, it's sleep is weird. Have you heard of a thing called sleep paralysis? I have experienced. Shut up! No, yes. you have not. I have. Okay, scrap the plans. We're talking about this. <laughs> so, I had never heard of it. Like, I have, I have very when when I sleep like deeply, which mm-hmm. is not very often. Um, like there are nights where. Meredith will tell me I do X, Y, and Z. 
Mm-hmm. I talk to her. I make a bottle for the baby. I go get the baby from the crib, bring her in the room, and I have zero That's called sleep deprivation. And I have zero recollection. No, but I've always been like this, like okay. before the baby, like before we were married for like seven years before the baby came. Mm-hmm. So like she has years of experiences where I have said or done or accomplished tasks in my mm-hmm. sleep that I have no recollection of. Yeah. And there are other nights where I remember everything that happens. Every time she turns over, every time she doesn't snore, <laughs> air quotes there. Uh, and it just, to me, it depends on if I'm sleeping deeply or if I'm just kind of like have my eyes closed. But I'd never heard of this sleep paralysis business until I listened to an episode of No Dumb Questions, which is a podcast uh, by Dustin Sandlin, who's the guy behind the Smarter Every Day YouTube channel and um, Matt Whitman, who's a pastor out in Wyoming. And they started talking about this, Mm -hmm. and Matt had experienced it. Destin had not. Destin's wife had experienced it. So Matt told his story, and I'll link to this episode in the show notes because it's really, really interesting. Matt tells his story, Mm -hmm. and then Tara comes on, Destin's wife, and tells her story. Mm -hmm. And there are certain dissimilarities to it, but where the two stories overlap as far as sensation and what they saw and how they felt, it's absolutely terrifying. So now I'm afraid to ask you this. (laughs) What did you experience? So so mine, mine is a waking paralysis. (laughs) <laughs> I don't like this, but continue. So yeah, my mine was a waking paralysis, and a, again, it was a, a demon or something evil was after me, and I couldn't scream. I, so it's that whole like. So you're just trapped in your bed, and there's nothing you can do. To me, it's not. It's not even. It's not even like you're trapped. It's 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 like even beyond being trapped in your bed. It's like you're trapped in your. You're, to me, it's like you're. Tr- yes, yeah. Like, like it is just this. Like, like you can't move. You can't wake yourself. But like you're, you're aware like that you can't move. Yeah. Oh and god. Even, well, and there's like this. We- like for me, my experience was it, it's a weird sort of like. Um, I want to wake up, and I can't wake up even. So there's even like that sort of like. So yeah, I've had. But did you, when you. We're in the moment. Do you recall thinking, I'm awake and I cannot move, or I'm dreaming and I cannot move? If you can remember. Um, am I awake and I cannot move? I, to me, I believed I was awake. That's terrifying. See, to me, I believed I was awake, but I, but I guess I would say that when I woke up, I knew that I wasn't awake. Like, in the moment, I believed I was, I, I, that was what my belief was, uh-huh. was that I was awake and I couldn't like I literally, I, and I couldn't even wake up or yeah, I don't even know if that makes sense. Like I couldn't chat, like I knew, like I thought I was awake, couldn't move, but even like couldn't in, there was an element of like what was happening to me. I felt like I should be able to control, but I couldn't control it. Oh man. So how long ago was this? Or has it happened multiple times? It, it's happened. It happened multiple times. But it's been a while since I experienced it. And mine was a waking type. Mine was a w- in the morning waking up, not going to sleep. Because I think it happens at both for people. Yeah. So have you heard, do you, have you heard, even heard that podcast? Mm-hmm. No dumb questions? No. Okay. You should listen to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, all the spare time you have. Um. Yeah. They get into the, what people think it is, like scientifically. And in kind of what the theories are mm-hmm. for how it happens and why it happens, and um, but they get into the stories of of Matt's experience and Tara's experience. Now, did you see anything while the room? Okay, that I was in, but I didn't. I didn't like hallucinate. Mine was more of a feeling that something was after me. But you didn't see anything. I did not hallucinate. I did not have the like the okay. the vivid dream because even in, in so even like when you ask me, I've had it more than once. And like I said, the first time I believed I was awake and then I even want to say like like subsequent times that it, it happened to me after that first time, there was an element of like going, you have to just go back to sleep. 
like to what like i remember like even maybe the most recent one which it's been years i don't uh, 10 years at least i'm guessing this element of like i have to go back to sleep like i have to i have to quit because you you, you're like you're almost you for me i fought it like i was i was trying to like like trying to move and trying to and i couldn't and I mean, it's happened. It happened quite a few times. I mean, well, I, I find it interesting that you keep using the word hallucinate. Well, it's a dream. Well, but that's not necessarily hallucination. Because uh, I mean, it, I guess it depends on your point of view. The the reason I say that is because if you go listen to this episode, uh-huh. both Matt and Tara never use that phrase, and oh, they say it's real. Their their impression was this thing is real. It is at the foot of my bed or it is hovering over my feet above the bed <laughs> and its intentions are malicious. It is real. I yeah. am here. I am awake. I cannot move. This is happening. I have no way to defend myself other than to th- to think to scream, but I can't even do it. Right. Yeah. So for you to say hallucinate is is well, very so they, interesting. So did they only have a one-time experience? Oh, that I don't remember. So, so uh, I guess the way I would describe it is, is yes, the first time it was very real and it was very, but like I can say I had subsequent times where it happened to me and I remembered like, you know, so the first time it happened, you believe it to be real and then you kind of wake up and you're like, okay, well that wasn't real. Like that didn't really happen. I was asleep. It's an interesting question though. Just because you're asleep doesn't mean that it really didn't happen. Okay. But you get into the realm of what actually happens sure. while you're asleep. Sure. And obviously dreams aren't real in the sense that we aren't flying or having sexual escapades with, you know, or right. whatever it is that you're dreaming about. Winning right. the NBA championship, uh, you know, in my case, getting fired from my boss at the coffee shop while she had no front teeth. Like, just weird stuff. And why your brain, yeah, does some of the things that it does. That's so weird. But but I, I am not convinced that we understand what's actually happening to our bodies and to our minds while we're asleep. Because, like, why do we even dream? Why is that a thing? Why don't we just shut down and wake back up in the morning? What is the point of having dreams and remembering them. Mm-hmm. It seems pretty weird that that's a thing. Yeah. And I, we're like as so far off, off topic, topic as we've ever been in the three <laughs> years that we've been recording. But this is just really interesting to me. Well, and it's very interesting to me that they couldn't distinguish after even waking up that that it was a you know, like they knew it was a dream, mm-hmm. but the feeling, the terror, sure, the, oh yeah, the that the thing, to them was real, yeah. Because not being able to scream and not be able to move, and you're conscious of it, is just frightening. And so these two folks, and and that are on the episode, much like us, are Christians, mm-hmm. and so they see it through the lens of what they know about spiritual mm-hmm. versus physical, and so for them, it was a kind of breach in between the two between the two of the glitch in the matrix essentially yeah Yeah. of this is a demon he wants to kill me oh he's out to get me and i have woken up in a place i do not belong or in a in a in a you know sphere of reality that it's it's really interesting Mm. yeah mine was not quite that yeah theirs was a bit nuts um Wow. Okay. Yeah. But no, anyways, dreaming to me has always been just baffling because I have very vivid, very memorable. Mm-hmm. Like if I dream, I remember it in shocking detail in the morning. Well, you always dream. Right. But I'm not like if I, if I sleep deep enough, like mm-hmm. where I actually sleep, mm-hmm. I can wake up the next morning and tell you for 20 minutes what I dreamt about mm-hmm. in detail, plot lines, everything. Yeah. I can in my, in my sis, on one of my night. sisters is like I don't remember anything I ever dream about. Oh, I remember my dreams. And it's just but it's just a why do we even do it? Like our brain's got to do something I suppose while we're sleeping, but like why is it a conscious 
or is it a conscious? Like, I don't know. I'm not a, a dream scientist, <laughs> a dreamologist or whatever. You know I'd what? like is, to be because that's really fun. Yeah. Well, and to be honest with you, I don't even know um, where I got this from, but I always have pictured my brain as a sponge. And throughout the day, my sponge is filling up, my sponge is filling up, and, and my dream is literally the, the wringing out of the sponge and getting rid of all the unnecessary stuff that's in there. And I really don't even know where that came from. Like if somebody said that at some point in my life and I, I latched onto it, or if it's one of those just weird childhood... Yeah, like, uh, that, I mean, I see that to a certain extent, but then like I have dreams where... I will have a dream and I will run into somebody from high school. Oh yeah. That I have not not necessarily not even spoken to. I've not thought about mm-hmm. since I was in high school. Yeah. I graduated 14 years ago. And I will have a dream where I run into this person mm-hmm. who I had like one class with in 4 years in high school and have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. I will remember their face, I will remember their voice, I will remember their name. And I've not thought about that person since the last time I saw them. Huh. And that's why I'm like, there's more going on here. There has to be. Well, you see, but I definitely think there's more going on because, I mean, throughout Scripture, there's examples of people receiving. And I'm not saying that happens every night, but I certainly think that's one of the ways that God. Oh, yeah. of God intervening in people's lives. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. We just. Spent 17 minutes talking about dreams. Do we need to make that its own little... (laughs) No, it'll just be the intro to this episode, and that'll prevent us from railing too hard against what we're about to talk about. (laughs) Because we're so... Yeah. Yeah. All right. So anyways, this is dad college, not dream college. No. And uh, today, uh, we're going to um, respond to an email that I got. Um, from Crossway, not in follow-up for the show, just one of their general content marketing blasts where they're like, ooh, you're a guy. Here's a book by a guy about being a dad, and here are the do's and don'ts of being a dad. So that's what we're going to talk about, the do's and the don'ts of being a dad. And we're going to do our own do's and don'ts because, well, I don't want to promote this guy's book. (laughs) Frankly, he's not paying us to do so, and I didn't necessarily like the content marketing I received Totally. Um, We will mention what the do's and don'ts are from his article, I think, just because that was the impetus for this, and that's fair. Yeah. Um, But I think we're going to use his two articles as a launching point for our own discussion. Does that sound Mm -hmm. reasonable? I guess. And we're going to start with the don'ts first because we don't want to end the show on a downer. But seriously, don't go to sleep tonight because there might be demons. (laughs) Why did I say that? Now I'm going to be the one. (laughs) That can't move his arms, defend his own giant head from the incoming demon. Um, All right. So the don'ts, the do nots, because we have to use proper English and no contractions. Mm -hmm. The five do nots of fatherhood, according to this article, uh, are criticism, over strictness, irritability, inconsistency, and favoritism. Mm hmm. I would add, like, you know, physical abuse, emotional abuse, things like that. Yeah. But those, you know, much like the last one, favoritism kind of seemed to be. So, uh, yeah, don't abuse your children is a don't. Well, but it's, like, an obvious one, I think. Okay. I feel like we should still say it because it still happens, mm-hmm. which is insane to me. Just a brief comment on that, and then we can move on to an actual discussion. Like, I understand being angry. Like, I'm really good at that. Mm-hmm. But the idea of beating a child because they're not doing what you want them to do, how that ever comes across as okay in someone's brain to me, I will never understand. Like, I get being so pissed you punch a hole in the wall. I don't, yeah. It's a wall. Yeah. You can patch it, you can move on. You know, if you punch a stud, you can go get your fingers unbroken, right? But it's not a person. And it's probably still not a good thing to do because it means you have anger issues. I punched a hole in the wall in the last six months. Oh, really? Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily my children. It was somebody else's actions towards my children. Ah. Well, there you go. Some righteous anger. And my my 17-year-old's going, do it, do it, do it. (laughs) I really like that one. (laughs) So I did it. She's fun. So, you know. 
But like there's a difference between expressing your anger in a way that is constructive mm-hmm. and doing so in a way that is abusive. And I realize I've only been a dad for a year and my kid has yet to do something to cause absolute fury within me. Mm-hmm. And that will probably happen at some point. But it's never excusable to hurt a child. Like, I just, it's unfathomable that it happens, you know? And, like, I, it might not be worth anything coming from me because I haven't been there. But, like, I shouldn't have to have been there to know that it's the one of the worst things you could ever do, you know? Yeah, I, I guess I would have to say, um, so two daughters, biological daughters, never got to that point, uh, have an adopted son with a disability, and I've been there with him, and it's, I have to, I have to leave. Like, I, I would never intentionally hurt him. But there's, I, I get so angry with him in a way that I never did with the girls. And that was like, I'm like, I'm like in the moment, I'm like, where does this come from? You know, and I would never like want to hurt him. Like I would never want to like, like I can consciously say there would be no satisfaction in causing him pain. I would regret it immediately. But I have been so mad at him that I've had to just be like, I've got to leave. You think it's because he's your son? Oh, it's definitely because he's my yeah, because he's a boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's, it's it's, and I mean, it, and it hasn't happened all that often, um, and it it's you know he's even, it, you know he wasn't even like little little when it occurred. It was you know he's been with us since he was six, and now he's eleven. So. Um, it, it it's just truly that frustration of, you know, things that you have told him to do. I, I have, I have zero tolerance for lying. I have zero tolerance for deception. And that is where we have met that. Like I said, I just, I can't believe how mad I get, but I don't take it out on him. I yell at him. <laughs> and then everybody goes cowering the dogs, him, the girls. So, and that's when I'm like, all right, I've crossed the line. I'm, I'm madder than I should be about this. Yeah. So I, I guess my, I guess all I'm saying is, is I could say I didn't understand it. Now I'm like, Hmm, how do I get this matter or something this trivial? So I'm, like I said, I'm sure that, there will come a point where my current child or any future children that we have will, uh, we will be in a situation where my reaction will be fury. I'm just too good at it. Uh, I, I, I'm a, I'm a lot better at owning that now than I used to be when I was younger. Um, but it is still something I know that is a potential problem for me. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just too easy to be angry and to let that emotion just, you know, roll. That's, I think that's a, I don't know if, uh, would you say that's a common problem? Because I think I know plenty of guys that just are not angry. And I really, really don't have a problem with being mad, you know, or letting, letting the, the anger go too far. I just wonder. I think it's fairly common. I just wonder what that's about, you know. Yeah, I think yeah that that's probably a whole show and maybe multiple uh, counseling <laughs> sessions with the counselor where we unpack our anger. But like I, you know, one of the things I can specifically remember with Wilby was, you know, him being deceitful with me and looking at him and going, "Do you think I'm stupid?" And him answering, "Yeah." <laughs> and like oh, no. and like giving me this like ultimate just like like yeah I think you're stupid and I know exactly what that means like looking mm-hmm. at me with disgust kind of a thing and it was I mean I just was like oh really like like let's you know like 
I flipped the switch and was like ready to prove him, you know, and just had to remove myself from that. Just was like, okay, I can't go after this <laughs> and nor do I want to, but, but it was in that moment of him looking at me like, yeah, I do think you're stupid. I, I have a very similar situation in which case I was in Wilby's shoes and it was my mother. <laughs> uh, I was playing with one of the guys down the street. We were like, I don't know, maybe Eight, ten, so old enough to know when you're misbehaving, and you know when mom is being serious, and so we're across the street. And my mom is yelling at me from the porch. You need to come home. It's dinner time, or we have to go. You know this place. And my friend looks at me and goes, "You don't have to listen to her." And my mom loses it. <laughs> you get over here right now, you little son of a... <laughs> and I looked at her and I was like, well, you know what that means about you? Oh. Which, still to this day, is the sickest burn I've ever had in my life. <laughs> but I was grounded and when my, it was the classic wait till your father gets home moment. I got, my butt got chapped <laughs> so hard by both of them. And it, it deserved to be because I was being... A petulant, insolent little turd of a child. Yeah. I was old enough to know exactly what I was doing, to know that my mom was in charge and I was being completely insubordinate at the at the egging on of one of my friends who I know that my mom didn't like. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was not not good for me in the end. But anyways, so Oh man, this has been such a weird episode so far. Like I think in a good way. Not at all what we expected <laughs> to talk about. No. So all right, so do not of fatherhood. O- overly be angry. Abuse obviously. Um so again, the, the five in this article are being critical, overstrict, irritable, inconsistent and showing favoritism. I the critical one to me is interesting because you can be critical and still be positive about it. Well, I think there's two of those to me should be the, more of a positive in terms of I, I put the critical in that. And then the other one that I put in that is instead of saying don't be inconsistent, I think it's be consistent. Mm-hmm. Do what you say you're going to do. Empty threats. Kids quickly figure out. So. Yeah. Anyway, absolutely. I interrupted you on the No, I just the, the criticism. The, the criticism thing to me is like I read the don't be critical and all I hear is no kid left behind. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets a participation award. That's what I hear. And that's because of the cultural, you know, milieu of of what's going on where we live right now. Mm-hmm. And don't be critical because you might hurt their feelings and you might uh, you know, stunt their growth. And I'm just kind of like, I know no one's perfect and no generation has figured it out better than another generation, like everything, because we're all dealing with different struggles, right? Mm-hmm. The My generation is dealing with how to be an adult when you grew up on the internet, sure. which no one else has had to do. Mm-hmm. And the generation before that was growing up with television, which no one else had to do. And the generation before that was like surviving World War II. Like, so each of us have had our own unique struggles and we're all trying to adapt to what's going on. But like the don't be critical thing to me just seems like a blanket dumb idea because there's a difference between being critical and being an idiot. Yeah. There's because because degrading your kid, which again, I which would is put different. It, and I would put that under the abuse category. Exactly. Because you being critical, what being critical means, as far as I understand it, is taking what you see and dissecting it based on logic and reason mm-hmm. and what makes sense. And so if my kid is acting irrationally, I have every right to be critical about their behavior and say, look, son or daughter, today you did this in reaction to that. Here is why your reaction was uh, irresponsible, uh, immature, or over the top. That is a critical conversation, or that is a critical response to a situation in which a conversation can go really, really far in establishing trust and love in a relationship, knowing my kid, knowing that I love them, but I'm not going to let them get away with immaturity and irresponsibility when they are old enough to know the difference between what mature and immature is. Mm -hmm. So 
call it constructive criticism if you want, but it still has the root word of, of, of critic, right? So being critical of your kids is different than being demeaning and different than being demanding and different than being abusive. Those are two vastly different things. So that's my beef with that. It's like I can still be critical of myself, my child, or my wife in a way that is loving and encouraging me or them to grow out of a situation. And I mean, if the people that love you the most can't be the ones that are critical of you, who can be? And maybe that is why we live in a world where you can't be friends with people who disagree with you. Yeah, so just a quick, so critical is an adjective. And the very first definition is expressing adverse or disapproving comments or judgments, which I don't think traditionally is what critical means because the second one is involving an analysis of the merits and faults of a work. So it could be literature, it could be art. Um, and then it says involving objective anal analysis and evaluation of an issue. So, um, well, and then there's, then there's the obvious like um, become potential or disastrous to a point of crisis. So the floods have reached a critical critical yeah so that would so that's or you know somebody that's in critical condition so yeah so i guess that that term of if all you are doing is adverse or disapproving comments of judgment probably not so much but if it is like you say more of a the merits and the faults which but but even in that i i, I guess i'm a little bit of, of the opinion that your parents probably should be the person. You should have the type of relationship with your child where you can be critical, even in adversity. You can be the one that points out those things to your to your child. Well, you now, have if to it's, be. Now, if it's all you do, if the only thing that ever comes from your mouth is a critical type statement, but I guess I'm, I'm with you that we are the ones that need to be able to speak that truth to our children of... Hey, you know, you're you're always complaining about your friends doing X, Y, and Z. But you know what? I think you're doing the same thing. And if if you want things to change, then maybe you're the one that needs to be the change, and not do you know? It, I, yeah, I, I I think it's our role to point out to our kids, because uh, because another word that I think has taken on a negative meaning is confrontation. You want to you want to care for and care front someone, yeah. not confront them. Yeah, yeah. Like to confront somebody should is not negative. No, it just I, means I'm you're guessing, actually getting to the 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 you know. Yeah, to me, if I'm confronting somebody about something, it means that I'm doing the right thing. I'm not I'm not talking to the person over here about you because I don't have the guts to go to you and and or the ability to go to you and talk to you about it. So, yeah, agreed. The other thing I would say is like your your kids are being cons constantly or the should I say it? the culture is constantly trying to shape your kids to its will. Mm -hmm. And to communicate to you and your children what is important and why it is important and to conform them to continue to build whatever that is, be it money, uh sex appeal, fame, power, uh, whatever, you know, the culture where you live is about, it is always consistently trying to bend people to its will. Mm -hmm. And if the culture where you live does not match up with the values that you have, it is your job as a parent to be critical of that culture. And sometimes that means being critical of your child who is trying to adhere to that. You know, and that may be as, you know, cut and dry as how they dress or how they talk. And it might be as muddy as how they value themselves, mm -hmm. which is much deeper and much more complex. Yeah. But not being critical of that sort of stuff is just is laughable to me. And I we're being kind of unfair because I'm sure that if this author were here to defend himself, he would agree with us. Semantics. But... Yeah, I just think poor poor choice of words, really. Oh, man, that's a lot of negativity, Dave. <laughs> overstrict, sure. Like, whatever. That's that's. I think being overstrict is totally uh, subjective. 
Yeah, because I think I think the overstruct is subjective. I think being your kid's friend on the other end of the spectrum is just as bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that tends to be, at least my experience, more true in today's age. As parents are more worried about being their kid's friend than they are about being. I, I, personally, I feel like we're con- regularly the parents saying no to things. And thankfully, I have girls that, as young adults, logic applies to them and going going to Westport on a Saturday night is not a good idea as a 17 year old. (laughs) And we really shouldn't even have to have this conversation and she'll go, I know, but my friends are going and they asked if I go. So I figured I had to ask. All right. Well, no, you're not going to go do that. So West Westport's part of Kansas city that, well, can they even get in now? That's totally like not important question for well, our listeners. Well, it's, it's a public place. I mean, Westport would the, be considered the public. Police block it off, and you have to pay to get in now. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, they so. they block off the four streets, and you have to pay to get in. So, yeah, it's a so capitalist dream. <laughs> yeah, pay to use the street. So, so yeah, so I, I guess I would I, I, that to me is a category of. Um, be consistent, you know, and be a parent. Don't be a friend. Okay. Well, let's, yeah, let's flip it to the positive side now because right. I'm sick of being a Debbie Downer. Yeah. And let's talk about being consistent mm-hmm. because that is a positive thing. But that to me seems very difficult. And I have already caught myself being inconsistent with my one year old. And I know it's only going to get harder as she gets older. Yeah. So what does being consistent mean to you and how have you um, sort of navigated that over the course of, you know, 20, what, two years of parenthood? Yeah, close to it. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't think even in being consistent means that your child can't manipulate you to get their way. Because you know what? That's part of being uh, socially, uh, uh, socially, can't think of the word I'm looking for, adept. Yeah, that's okay. a word. Socially adept. So, so there's, there's an element of I'm cute, my smile works. Okay, that's fine. I know that, you know, dad says no and I can do this. And by doing X, Y, and Z, smiling at him, being nice to him, I get what I want. Well, you know what? That's the way society works a little bit. Uh, being a jerk and throwing a temper tantrum doesn't get get you what you want. But if I'm pleasant and persuasive and I use my charm and I get what I want, okay. So, so no, I'm not saying... Can we pause there for a second? Sure. I think, I think we would... I would like to think that throwing a temper tantrum doesn't get, get you what you want, but... Is that not what I said? You said it doesn't get you what you want. Right. It does not. I think that more and more it does. Well, as a parent, it should never get you. I'm I'm not talking about that. I'm talking in general, the in public. The wheel gets the grease. Yeah. I think that we live, and this is my totally my opinion. I have no stats to back this up, so this is anecdotal. Um, I think increasingly... In this country, in this time, throwing a temper tantrum gets you what you want more than it ever has before. That's probably true. And I, please prove me wrong. Sure. Anyone who's listening, but that is my anecdotal view of that. Is that because of the um, ubiquity of social media and getting your opinion out there and the... um, I even hate to say this, the uh, questions people have of what's true and what's not, mm-hmm. and the ability to be heard so easily, mm-hmm. you can throw a hissy fit on the internet, and you m- probably will get what you want. Oh, yeah. That's, At least you'll get yeah. some notoriety. Sure. You may not get exactly what you want, but you will be heard and you'll be validated by some people. Yeah. And that's just a new a new hurdle to deal with, I think, as parents. 
and even just as humans, like I could go through a temper tantrum and I'm an adult mm-hmm. and I could still get the, you know, little euphoric chemical high of like, oh, people validate me, <laughs> which is still a thing. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I guess so I'll just say for raising my girls, my kids, uh, both the girls and will be one of the consistent messages I felt like we presented was crying gets you nothing. In fact, if you cry or you throw a temper tantrum, you're probably going to find yourself worse off. And I felt like we were pretty consistent with that. Now, one of the things I never articulated to them was petitioning your cause will probably be better for you. And I'll even say that birthday gifts and Christmas gifts were often decided on based on was this a consistent request? You know, because children, I remember one time taking Caroline to an auto parts store and she hounded me and hounded me to buy her a steering wheel cover. Well, you know, a five, six year old does not need a steer, a flower, Hawaiian flower steering wheel cover. Um, and guess what? Once we were gone and it was not in her sight, she didn't bug me about it. But, you know, if she was consistent with, I want the Barbie doll playhouse and it was month after month after month of, I want the Barbie doll playhouse. It was like, okay, well that's probably going to go on the birthday list. It's going to go on the Christmas list. Um, doesn't mean it was always the, the, the best want. Um, but I did find that um, one or two requests for something was not going to be fulfilled, but a consistent, you know, I want this. Uh, we would generally, we would meet that. Um, so, so I don't think, I don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I don't think giving in is always bad, but I think there's a consistency with, um, how you give in and when you give in um, versus just, you know. And the, the other place I would say is is that if you give an if-then statement, if you do X, then Y is going to happen, and they do X, you better do Y. So if you, and even in that, don't use that unless you're going to follow through. And that's where I see a lot of, like when you're in the get the grocery store mm-hmm. or you yep. know just out and about shopping or you know at a sporting event or a concert or or whatever you hear if you do you know don't do that or I'm gonna and then they do it and there's no consequence yeah and don't use that if you want to be at said event because threatening to take the kid home when they probably want to go home more than you do mm-hmm. bad idea well yeah it's not even that it's like Oh, if you do that, you're not going to get the sugar cookie. Mommy, I want a sugar cookie. Okay, here you go. Here's a sugar <laughs> cookie. It's like, yeah, so give the kid what he wants and then load him up on sugar <laughs> when he's three. Yeah. You know, that's just not going to end well. Um. So, yeah, this whole whining gets you nothing thing, like, resonates with me to a certain extent. But then I realize my kid has no other way to communicate except for whining. When well, she's tired yeah, or hungry, I, I would say, I would say and I, gr- is, yeah. I agree that's not what you're saying, but it's one of those. I'm just like, oh, part of me never wants you to talk because you'll never talk back to me then. <laughs> <laughs> but the other part of me wants her to be able to talk so that we can get past the, I'm screaming, or and she knows some signs like she knows milk and she knows more and all done and and that sort of stuff, but. You know, when she's just like overtired because she will not go to sleep, I want her to be able to tell me, Daddy, I'm really tired and or I'm upset, you know, and I'll you know, and have a conversation. And I'm not saying like a two year old's going to be able to tell me no. I'm really tired and that's why I'm upset. But being able to to have a conversation with them for me is going to be much more. It's going to allow me to remain much more emotionally calm in the situation. Because guess what? When she's tired, <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. And when I'm, you know, I'm tired, it means my wife is tired. And when yeah. we're tired, we're irritable. Yeah. We're people, oh, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it's one of those, like, of course she's upset. She's tired and she doesn't have a way to communicate that she's tired. And she also hates sleeping, which is my fault. She gets that from me. Um, But it's, yeah, it's that catch-22 of I want her to be able to communicate with me so we can at least try and like figure out what the problem is. If it's something other than she's tired, maybe she doesn't feel good. Maybe she has, you know, yeah, 
you know, some pain in her stomach or a headache or like that would go miles in me being much more tender towards her other than like, oh, my Lord in heaven, go to bed right now, (laughs) you know, which you just can't know until you can have a conversation with your kid. And at that point, yeah, they can talk back. They can, you know, lie to you. They can be dishonest. But it's like at this point, I'd almost rather that because I feel like I could sleuth that out a lot faster than trying to figure out what, like, her banging her stomach and crying is about. (laughs) Sorry, that was a real dad talk right there. (laughs) She doesn't sleep. All right, let's let's focus on, unless you want some more don'ts, let's focus on some more do's. Because, uh, you know, I don't want to be a negative Nancy over here. Yeah. Um. So the three that he listed were tenderness, discipline, and instruction, which I think is an interesting combination. Because discipline and instruction, I would pair together, you know, from like a masculine, I'm wild at heart type of way. But tenderness is, I think, the outlier there. But I think it's the one that can combine the two. In a very interesting way, because you can be very disciplined and very hard. Or you can be an instructor and be very uh, vacant. We've all had those teachers that are very smart and very precise in what they say, but you can tell that they don't care. Um, and, you know, I, I think of the, the disciplinarian without tenderness as like the army drill sergeant who just wants to pound you into the ground. And so I think that tenderness actually provides a very unique link between those two of being the disciplinarian who is in charge and who is the authority and who's going to do his best to set you on the right path, but is also the instructor who cares about you and takes the time to explain things and educate you so that you have reasons for why, which I think most kids just want to know that why, why, how, <laughs> why, but how does that work? And tell me, and how is that built? And like, I'm of course the naive dad that thinks that's going to be so much fun, but like, I'm sure after a week I'm going to lose my mind. And so I just think it's a unique combination or a unique link between disciplinarian and instructor of, of being tender and being able to take the moments to show your child, not just tell them, but to show them that you love them, to hug them, to hold them, to cry with them, to celebrate with them, to show them that you're not just this dictator or this vacant teacher, but you are their father who cares for them more deeply than they could ever know. And sometimes that means you have to be a disciplinarian because they have done something they know was wrong against the stated rules like there has to be consequences it doesn't mean you love them less it just means that you're following through on what you said and they need to know that you're going to do that but it also you know if you're instructing them in the ways to clean their room or to do their chores or you know how to treat uh, relatives or whatever it is like they need to know that you're doing this for their betterment and that doesn't come from a vacant teacher that comes from you know like everyone's favorite professor who just engages, you know, and tells the stories and and brings you in. And there's just, I just, so as much as I didn't like the don'ts from the articles, I thought his explanations may not be the greatest, but the three areas that he said, while not certainly all encompassing, I think are very interesting in the way that they intertwine. Yep. So two thoughts. Uh, One, um, when I find myself disciplining my children and much of what you're talking about in terms of lesson and life and wanting what is best for them, I have found myself kind of stepping back and going, okay, God, have, how often have you done this to me? And I've responded the way my children are responding, and you're exactly like I am now in this moment of, I just want you to know that I want the best for you. This is not a... You know, I'm not doing this to make your life miserable. I'm not doing this. And it's like, uh, for me, being a dad really helped me understand better uh, who God is and what it means to have a Heavenly Father. Uh, The second thing that I'm going to do that I can't believe I'm doing is I'm going to quote an 80s country and a Western song. (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> that is, it's called Daddy's Hands. And it's basically says, Daddy's hands were soft and kind when I was crying. Daddy's hands were hard as steel when I'd done wrong. Daddy's hands weren't always gentle, but I've come to understand that was there was always love in Daddy's hands. So um, that's Holly Dunn, I think, from 1986, just in my quick little Google search here. But I do remember that song of just like, you know, Dad's hands were both. They could be soft and gentle, but they could also be sort of that disciplinary um, dad. Dad had those, you know, that's the role of a dad. It's to, to, it's to love and to be gentle. It's to be an instructor, but also discipline. And um, I think one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is because it's not always easy and it's good to, to hear what other people are doing and uh, to learn from others and, their experience so anyway yeah so yeah well on that note of of learning from other people's experience Mm -hmm. a little uh little tidbit for our listeners we want to know what you think what your experiences are um this I, i i am confident that our discussion this episode will cause people to go, oh, yes, or what? No, 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 no. Um, and, you know, if that's the case, which I surmise it will be, you can uh, let us know so we can share your stories and your opinions with the uh, other people that listen to the show. And in turn, we can learn from you and they can learn from you and we can uh, build a conversation around this because that's really, really what we want to do. Yeah, with with this show and with the other shows on Super Corp. So you can get us on Twitter. Dave is at David J Hogue. I am at Cam Brennan. Uh, you can email us hello at supermegacorp.net. All of those links are in the show notes. So if you're listening on your phone, you can swipe up or another direction, depending on your podcast app of <laughs> choice. They will be right there at the top of the show notes. Uh, if you want to do that. We'd really appreciate it. That'd be a lot of fun. We could do some follow-up next episode. Uh, Also, if you want to check out uh, our Patreon page, you can go to patreon.com slash supermegacorp. If you don't know what Patreon is, uh, quickly, it's just uh, a crowd-funding way for us to keep uh, these shows mildly profitable, which helps us pay for monthly website hosting and for yearly domain name renewals uh in a way that allows you to listen to all of our shows without any ads so you get some cool rewards and you get to listen to the show without having to hear about some company <laughs> which i'm okay with i don't want any of our shows to ever have sponsors yeah, be good. and thus far we've never had that and we like to keep it that way so anyways uh thanks to our current patrons that have been steadfast for gosh probably what a year now at least yeah if not more, uh, you guys and gals, uh, we really appreciate it. And if you've listened thus far, thank you very much. It, this is We're pushing an hour here. So uh, thanks for listening. And even if you don't want to you know, share your opinions, maybe just shoot us a tweet that says, hi, and start a conversation that way. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will be back next time with more... Uh, more dad chat. Yes. Class adjourned. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. Bye. Bye.